Well, if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 32, right there close to the end of, of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30, I just want to read one verse to you to begin with, here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Um, I want to remind you while you're finding Deuteronomy chapter 32 of what I preached this morning. Uh, I began this morning with the story of Balaam and uh, the king of Moab, Balak. And, and I read to you the verse uh, where, you know, one of the few th good things that Balaam did and said was when uh, Balaam said, All that the Lord speaketh, that I must do. And, and, I, and I took that and kind of went from there. And I told you that there is several things in the Bible that it talks about that we must do. And, uh, and I told you, uh, it, you know, it's not a guarantee every time you see this word, but it is a good clue that you ought to look closer, and that word is accept. And I give you three or four examples after that of, of scriptures that, that use that word accept, and, and, you know, and I told you it's mandatory. Mandatory that we be saved, mandatory that we repent in order to get saved, mandatory that we have God's blessings on our life, mandatory uh, you know, and so, and so I went through all those things, mandatory that God be with us. And so anyways, I've, I've got a few more thoughts along those lines that I want to share with you tonight. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and chapter 33 is, is what's referred to as the song of Moses. Uh, this is the last song, this is the last time Moses uh, speaks to them, right? So he, he, you know, he sings this song and he gives his blessing and, and that's it. You know, he goes up on uh, Mount Nebo, it says to the top of Pisgah, and God shows him the promised land and then he, he dies and, and God, uh, God buries him. And so anyways, this is kind of his farewell address uh, to the people of Israel. And so he has this song, uh, and uh, just one line, one verse from the song uh, I want to read to you is verse 30. And verse 30 says, How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock? Notice that word rock is capitalized. Except their, and also notice our word, except. Except their rock had sold them, and the Lord had shut them up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time tonight, thanking you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. Thanking you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here in your name tonight to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thanking you, Lord, for every, uh, every song that has been sung, every praise that has been given, every word that has been spoken. Lord, for the fellowship that took place even before the service began, for the worship that has taken place. Lord, we thank you for your word that, that has gone forth and will continue to go forth tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you poured out on us. But we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life. Have that life eternally and abundantly. And God, I pray as we go forward here tonight, Lord, that you know the hearts and minds of each one that is here. You know the needs. 
And so, Lord, my prayer tonight, Lord, I mean, you know what we, what we stand in need of. You know what words that we need, encouragement, conviction, whatever it may be. And so, Lord, that's, all, that's my heart's desire, and I believe that's our heart's desire, is that your will would be done here tonight. And so, Lord, I desire to preach your word, your message, in a way that pleases you and brings you glory. And I can't do that without your help. So I'm asking that you'd preach me one more time here tonight. God, that you'd give me the words to say. Uh, Lord, clear my mind of everything. Uh, don't let me be distracted or my thoughts wander, but keep me focused on you, your message and your word. Help me to be the messenger that you've called me to be. God, I'm asking that you would use me as just a clay and vessel here to deliver your message, and I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. And I pray that each one of us here would have hearts to receive your word, your message, not what I say, but what you say. And God, I pray that we'd have receptive hearts, and that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. And, we'd, and your word would find a lodging place deep in our heart, Lord, where it could take root and grow and transform us from the inside out into the image of your Son. God, that we would leave here forever changed uh, with a zeal to serve you and to follow you and a love for you uh, and for your word. And God, just a to, just to desire to do your will. So God, that's only possible with you and through you. So, Lord, that's what I'm asking is for you to do your will here tonight. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. And, Lord, I feel woefully inadequate here tonight. And I ask that you'd forgive me of where I fall short. And, God, that you would just, regardless of my shortcomings, that you'd just preach me anyways tonight. And we'll all be sure and give you all the glory because we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I look at this scripture. Uh, it took me a little bit. You know, there's a part of me that was thinking, I actually don't know. You know, there's a few different songs in the Bible. Moses has got this song. Miriam, his sister, has got a song. That, there's a few others that goes through there. I really don't know what it sounded like. I don't know if they would, you know, pick a guitar and sing it like Mike would, or if it sounded like a poem or, or something completely different I, I you know i got some ideas but i don't really know and so anyways there was a part of me when i was reading this verse now i'm just being funny i'm not being serious there's a part of me that wondered if he just picked some of these words so that they would rhyme uh, they don't rhyme in english but maybe in hebrew i don't know no i studied on it a little bit and trying to figure out what it is that God is saying here in this verse, and what he's saying through Moses. And he's saying to the nation of Israel, but he's not just saying to them, he's saying it to us today. And so he says, how should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? So he's saying, how can, you know, we're thinking military action here, right? How can one man put a thousand men on the run? How can... Two put 10,000 on the move. And so anyways, as I'm looking at that, you know, he's asking the question there, and then he answers it. He says, except they're a rock. Okay, except 
That's our key word we've been looking at through this, right? That clues us in. To, this is something that must be done. Their rock, I pointed out to you that rock is capitalized, and he says their rock. I don't think he's talking about a, a, a pebble or a stone or that they carry around in their pocket. But I think he's talking about the same rock that the scripture talks about when it talks about uh, uh, that, you know, when he talks about picking us up out of the miry, reaching down and pulling us out of the miry clay and setting our feet upon the solid rock and establishing our ways and going, right? I think it's talking about the same rock that it talks about in the wilderness that Moses struck with the, uh, he struck it both times with his stick. He wasn't supposed to do it the second time, but I think it's the same rock, right? When it's talking about Jesus, talking about God, right? That he is our rock. And so anyways, I think that, the, I not think, I know that that's what he's talking about there, right? He's saying, how in the world can one, right? I think the thousand and ten thousand is, is in this case is Israel. He's saying, how can one put a whole bunch of us on the run? How can two put ten thousand of us uh, to on the move, right? Except their rock, right? Except their God had had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. In other words, except their God uh, had abandoned them, had sold them out, right? And their Lord had shut them up. Uh, had, uh, In other words, he had given them up, right? So and except that God had took his hand of protection off of them, had left them, right? And we see that. We see different instances throughout this journey. And then when you go on into the book of Joshua, you can see where they get away from God, and you can see the difference when they go into battle when God was with them and when God wasn't with them, right? When God was with them, despite the odds, they would be victorious, and when God was not when God was not with them, despite the odds, even if they were overwhelmingly in their favor and the people were scared to death, they would take an awful whipping. Right? It'd go the other way. So what's this verse about? God's protection. God's protection. It's mandatory that the Lord protect us. It must be. Now, think about this for a minute. If you think for one moment that you're going to fight all the temptations and the snares of the devil by yourself, you are mistaken. You and I on our own are no match for him. I mean, the Bible tells us that he is the God with a little g, the God of this world, the prince in power of the air. Right? Those that have had the um, great victories throughout time were those who waited and depended on the Lord as we look through their journey and their times every time that they had great victories, right? It was when they'd waited on the Lord because he is the one that brought the victory, right? So in other words, 
God is our shield, right? He is our buckler. He is our protection, right? And when I think about that, I think about his word, the Bible. He give us the Bible. He give us his word uh, so that we wouldn't have to face the devil with our own words, right? He gave us his power so that we wouldn't uh, have to, uh, so that we wouldn't have to face the devil in our own strength, so we wouldn't have to battle our adversary, our enemy in our own power, in our own might in our own strength right he gives us his holy spirit so that we wouldn't have to face the devil right Uh, on our own and in our own power and with our own mind and with our own thoughts right listen to me people are failing every day because they are living lives without the protection of god and i want you to understand tonight you along with me will fail miserably, you and I will fall to just the same as them without the protection of God. That's why I say it's mandatory. That's why he says here, except. It's mandatory. As I continue to go through the Scripture. And look at some of these things. I thought about a scripture that's preached on. Well, I've heard it preached on several times. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? There's that word except again. I think it's absolutely mandatory that we be in agreement. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can you walk with the Lord? Can I walk with the Lord except we be agreed? Can you and I walk together following the Lord except we be agreed? Right? I mean, it's a verse about unity, no doubt about that. And as I look around today, it seems like there is more division and more strife in our land than it, it definitely at any time in my lifetime anyways. Maybe, maybe of any time ever, I don't know. And if we're not careful, we'll see that same strife and division creep into the church. Will we not? I mean, we look around and we rejoice in the things that God is doing. And we look right here in our own little congregation in the things that God has been doing and the growth that has happened and the people that he keeps sending our way, right? And, and, the, you know, and the people he allows us to minister to and the salvations that we saw and the ones that we've gotten to baptize in different places and ways that we've gotten to minister and as things have went with the children and so on and so forth. We, we look at all that, right? And we see God's hand at work there, right? We see him working and he's working through us and and through our congregation and what we're doing. And so the only way that the Bible makes it clear, the only way that can happen is lest we be in agreement, lest we be agreed, right? And so we've got to be in agreement with God. In other words, we can't be going on our own, doing our own thing, our own way, right? We're, We're striving to do it with God and God's way, but yet it's more than that, it's deeper than that. You and I have got to be on the same page. We've got to be in agreement, right? And so we've got to be careful because the old devil doesn't like that at all. 
all, right? You don't think for a second that he's fine with that and he's just going to sit back and let her ride. No, he's going to do everything that he can. That's why you hear all these stories about the silliness and the nonsense and the stupidity, right? And it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a cliche or a joke, but the sad part's the truth. You've heard stories of churches dividing over the color of the carpet or, or curtains and, and silliness and nonsense like that. But the thing is, you know, and it gets told all the time like it's, just, like it's a story or a cliche and we almost sometimes might think, well, how in the world could people be that silly to get that bent out of shape over something like that? But the truth is, that kind of thing happens. And if you think about it for a minute, if you, if you get to looking, right, and you see that what it takes, right, for, for to be working with God and to see something happening is there's got to be agreement. In other words, there's got to be unity and things are going good, right? The old devil's going to do what he can to get in, right? And you see him start to get in and next thing you know, there's division and strife. Tearing things apart. And so I look at this and I look at what he's saying here. And I look at what is happening in our land. And the division and the strife that is there. And listen to me. If we're not really, really careful, it's going to creep in here too. Because don't fool yourself. The old devil is doing everything he can. He's looking for a crack to get his foot in the door. And so uh, the reason, as I think about this, that we get into division and strife, and the reason uh, that we see all this happening in the world is I think we see the world trying to agree on the wrong things. I think we see, when we see it happen in churches, it comes out of a place of trying to agree on the wrong things. The only way we can walk together is to agree. And the only way we can agree is to agree on the Bible, <laughs> On the God's word, on what God says. It's not about what I think or what I say or what you think or what you say. It's not about my preference or what I want. It's not about yours. It's about God. And when I think about that, I think the only way that we can walk together is to agree. And the only way that we can agree is to, uh, is to, agree, to, to agree on the Word of God, to agree on the Bible. And I don't mean, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I don't mean to be in complete 100% sync on every minor variation of every interpretation of every doctrine in the Bible, right? That's not what I'm talking about at all, you know. We ought to be able to, to discuss the Word of God and throw around some different ideas. And, 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 you know, that's not what I'm talking about there, right? There, there's healthy discussion and conversation, right? That's why the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? So, so that's not what I mean. What, what I do mean, though, is that the Bible is the Word of God. Infallible Word of God. It is the guide, right? It is what... I mean, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? By inspiration of God, that literally means God breathed, right? It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before or not. Time out. Pause for a minute. You see me pulling up my pants a lot? I don't think I'm going to be able to wear these anymore because I'm about to walk plumb out of them. So, 
I'll do my best to hold on to them, all right? I may need somebody to get me a rope in a minute, though. Now, back to the strange effect, and I'm not talking about my pants now. The Word of God has a strange effect on people. Here's what I mean by that. It either drives or it draws. Now, you think about this for a minute. If we agree on the Bible and on the Word of God, we will be drawn together and we will walk in unity. But if we disagree on the Bible, now remember, I'm not talking about every minor variation of every interpretation of every passage. That's not what I'm talking about. If you think that's what I'm talking about, you're missing what I'm saying. If we disagree on the Bible, fundamentally, we will be driven apart and there will be strife and there will be division. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No. So we must agree on the word of God. It is our final source of authority. It is what governs us and we must give it the power to change us. Do you hear me? We must give God's word the power to change us. See, too many want to change the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to change them, right? Have you not heard all the ones that are trying to use the scripture to justify same-sex marriage and homosexuality? Have you not heard, right? Do you not hear all these ones, right? To try to use it to justify things like that, right? And so there's too many that want to change the Bible. Now, I didn't come up here to get into the whole translation thing and anything like that. You want to know what I thought and you think and, you know, you talk to me afterwards. But listen to me. You look around and there is... I don't have no idea, but there is umpteen different ones, and you you got to be careful, and you just wonder sometimes, you know, about the changes that are taking place, right? And there is ones, I'll just throw an extreme example, I'll throw two extreme examples out there to you, uh, and, I, and I'm using extreme examples to make my case, but there there's one that's called the Queen James Bible, where they change all the references to make homosexuality all right, right? Uh, another one, you look at the, um, I'm drawing a blank on now on what it's called, but the, the uh, Jehovah Witnesses, right, they've got their own translation of the Bible and they make the changes that they need to to change it to fit what they want to teach and what they want to believe, right? And, and it, goes, it goes beyond that, right? There's ones that will take uh, scriptures and they will twist it to make it whatever they want. So instead of letting the Word of God change them and transform them from the inside out into the image of Christ, They'll change the Word of God instead. You hear that? Uh, look, go through and study what the Scripture tells, especially over here in the New Testament about the, 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 uh, the false prophets and the false teachers. And it gives us a few uh, hints at some of the things that they taught and some of the things they were saying. They were twisting God's Word, right? Instead of letting the Word of God change them, they were changing it. Too many today. Too many 
want to change the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to change them. The only way we can walk together is to agree that what he says is more important than what you or I think or feel. Do you know how many times I have talked to people that I would consider good, solid Christians, at least trying to be, and they enter into something or start doing something or saying something that is, in my mind, clearly unbiblical, and you start to try to talk to them about it, don't try to be pushy or beat anybody over the head. I'm, I'm usually pretty gentle about it at first anyways. And the response is usually not, well, this, you know, and give me chapter and verse. And it says, usually they'll say, well, I feel what's happening there. Well, I feel instead of God says... I will never, ever forget. I was talking to a gentleman one time, and, and I won't name his name, not openly, publicly like this. But anyways, uh, what he was saying and wanting to do was very unbiblical. It, it, I mean, I just think it was pretty cut and dry that it wasn't right. It wasn't biblical. And he kept saying, well, I feel like this is what, and then, you know, what the issue was. And I finally... We were in my office right back there, and my Bible was closed like this, sitting on the desk. And I finally just slid it over, uh, slid it over as close to him as I could and said, you're going to have to show me where it says that. Well, he never even touched my Bible. He didn't even, never even tried to open it up. You, you, see what I, uh, you see what I'm saying? If we're not careful, that's what we'll get into. What God says trumps what you or I or anyone else feels or thinks. If we're ever going to do something in the power and in the might of God, for the advancement of the kingdom of God, it is mandatory that we agree on the word of God. Let me give you one more here. I want you to understand that it is mandatory. And this goes right along with, and I'll be done in just a minute. It is mandatory that the Lord build the church and that it's Him that uses it to affect the community for Him. But let me talk about us. It's mandatory that the Lord build the church and use it to affect this community. Psalm 27, or Psalm 127. 127th Psalm, first verse says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman, the watchman walketh but in vain. Except God, what he's saying is, except God build it, the work of, of men building it is useless, worthless, is what vain means. Except the Lord keep the city, right? Keep it, he's like keeper of the city, protector, watch over it, guard it. Except the Lord do that, the watchman 
the, the guard, the sentry, that is stationed probably in a watchtower to watch for approaching enemies. He's sitting out there all night in vain. What do I, what do, how does that apply to us? What do I mean by that for us? Right? I said it's mandatory that the Lord build the church. And that's true for the whole church, church worldwide, but let's talk about Cornerstone. It's mandatory that the Lord build this church and that he uses it to affect this community for his kingdom. All the programs in the world, all the rich people in town, all the great ideas that a person can come up with will not fix what's wrong with our country. Won't fix the problems in our community. Won't even fix the problems in your family or that you might have. It is the Lord that must work and must move on the hearts of people. That's the only way. That is the only way that it will happen. Churches are failing everywhere that you look. Preachers are falling all over the place. I firmly believe that one of the reasons that this is happening is because they have forgotten the simple truth that I'm trying to share with you right now. Except the Lord built it, it's in vain. Except the Lord keep it, it's in vain. It's mandatory that God does the work. Now, don't think that I am saying that, oh, well, God does all the work, so I don't do nothing. That is not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> what do you think I mean whenever, and not just me, other people say it too, what do you think is meant whenever me or someone says, put feet to them prayers? What do you think I'm talking about whenever talk about being the hands and feet of the Lord? What do you think uh, that, you know, James was talking about, right? Whenever he's kind of chastising, right, and saying, well, you know, I'm paraphrasing in my own words, but what good is it doing, right, whenever you tell someone to be warm or to be full or, or, or to have their, you know, thirst quenched, right, and you don't do anything. You don't give them clothes, you don't give them food, you don't give them water. It's mandatory that God do the work. We have got to keep in our minds this is not our church. Now, I, I, we all, I use that phrase, you use that phrase, we all use that phrase, meaning this is our church as in, you know, this is where we go to church, this is where we meet together, this is where God has placed us to work in his kingdom, and, and that's fine, I'm not criticizing that. I, that's what I do say, and that's what I'll, I will continue to say. What we've got to remember is this is not our church as in, I own this church, you own this church, Right? I mean, 
yeah, I understand legally the government looks at it as the members of the church as who technically owns the property. But we've got to understand that this is not our church. It is God's church. The ministries of this church, they're not our ministries. They're God's ministries. And you know what that means also? The results, they're not ours, they're God's. Therefore, the members and the, the workers in the church, you know what we need to do? We need to call on God to do a work. And we've got to stop depending on our own efforts, Right? Even though God uses us, and we're the hands and the feet, and we're the ones that, right, that God, you know, will burden our heart to do something, and we go out, and, and, and yeah, we physically might make the motions, and we might physically will participate, but it's not us, it's not our work, it's not our ministry, right? It's not our ability, it's not our efforts that are producing the results. So often, and maybe I'm the only person that does this. Maybe you never do this. And if you don't do it, then praise the Lord. But if you're guilty of this the same as I am, maybe the Lord will use this to help you and encourage you a little bit. I'm awful bad to get discouraged because of things don't go or turn out the way I wanted or had hope, right? But what, what the problem is, is when I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, my mindset slips into my efforts, my results, and if I don't get the result that I think I should get, then I get discouraged, right? Because of my efforts, my results, that's not how it works. I mean, if, if it's in your own power and your own efforts, and you will get your own results, and you probably won't do so good. You know, they probably won't be so good. And, and even if they are good by the world's standards, God's not going to be pleased with it, right? It is God's efforts. It is God's result. It is God's work, lest the Lord build the house. The builders are working in vain. Lest the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, right? He's getting up and, and, and losing sleep for nothing in vain. Because in his own power and his own efforts, he's not going to be able to protect that city. In our own efforts, we're not going to be able to build anything that will last. We've got to be about our Father's business. But you realize that it is God that actually wins the lost. It's Him that does the work. It's Him 
that opens their heart where they are receptive to his word. It is him, right, that goes ahead of us and is preparing the ground. It is him, right? He's the one, right? He's the one that, and I, man, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. Uh, and I want this to help maybe encourage you at times when the devil tries to discourage you. Uh, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But it's, it's God that wins the loss. It's God uh, that fills the bus, right? It's God that adds, uh, adds members to the congregation, right? It is God that supplies the funds, right? And I know he might use your checkbook and my checkbook and, and other people's checkbooks that we've never even, uh, we've never even met before. But he it's God's money and he's the one that is doing it, right? It's him that is doing the work. If he's not in it and we're not walking in agreement with him and in it with him, right? And following him, right? All of our efforts will be in vain. And if we do manage to put two things together, it won't last. It'll be like the shack that'll fall over at the first good breeze that comes by. God that gives us the vision. He's the one that convicts the sinners. Sure ain't it sure ain't the preacher. It amazes me. Some of the I am convinced some of the absolute worst sermons that I've ever preached. People come and get saved. And man, these ones where I think, man. I made the joke with you a long time ago, I think, about knocking it out of the park. You know, there's times where I think, boy, that was a good one. Really knocked that one out of the park. and Nothing. <laughs> Maybe I'm kind of getting my own efforts there sometimes. It's God. He is God. Let me ask you this. How, can you, how is it that you, that you and I can come here and expect to see great things done for the Lord, right? I hope every one of you, you know, want to see great things done for the Lord. But honestly, how is it that we can, we can come up here, come here and show up here every time we're doing something, every time we have a service, every time whatever, and expect great things to be done for the Lord, if you haven't even prayed and asked God to do them. Listen to me. The preacher can't do it alone. The deacons can't do it alone. The teachers can't do it alone. Whoever is, is leading whatever is taking place, they cannot do it alone. We must have God. It is absolutely mandatory. I'll tell you just how serious and how important, how mandatory it is. You realize that I, I, I look at what's been happening with our children's ministry. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful for what God's been doing. But you realize that there is little kids all over this community still that need to hear that Jesus loves them. They need to know that God can make a difference in their lives. But it is God that must do that work. 
God's got to build the house. The children in this community, they need a church that not some man has built. They need a church that the Lord has built. They need a church that they can come to and know that God will work in their lives through that church and the ministry that it's doing because they're agreed and they're walking together with the Lord and the God is doing the work and they're just the hands and feet that He is using, right? They need a church in this community that, that the Lord has built, right? And the parents of them, of those children, they need that same kind of church, and the broken and sin-ruined uh, people in this community, they need to know that there is a, a place that God has built in this community uh, where they can find refuge and hope. Listen to me here. The lost need to know that there is a place that the Lord has built uh, where they can find true salvation, right? They need to know uh, that there is a place the Lord has built where they can find peace, that past all understanding and grace that is absolutely unbelievable. The members of this church, the ones who are part of our church family already, they need to know that the church that they belong to, the one that they call our church, is more than just a meeting place for people to to come out to once or twice a week and do their religious duty on Sunday or whatever. They need to have the confidence that the Lord built this place. The work that is happening here, God is the one that is doing it. And that they can bring their loved ones and their friends here and know that God is working here in the midst, and God is the one who can change them and their lives forever. I'm just trying to say that man has built too many churches. We need some churches that are built and empowered by God. I think it's fair to say it's absolutely mandatory. Let me end it this way. Are you tired? <laughs> Sounds like the beginning of an infomercial. Are you tired of powerless, dead, dry churches? Then do something about it. And you might say, wait a minute, you just said God's got to do it. Well, yeah. But listen, it's not time for congregations to move or for them to close down. I don't like to see any church close or anything like that. It's time for all of us, now I'm pointing the finger at you and me, every one of you that just sat there and nodded and agreed, and I heard several uh, verbally agree with me, that there's, there's too many uh, uh, powerless, dead, dry churches I start to say in our land, but right here in our community. And let's be honest, we've been there too. We've struggled with it at times. It's time for all of us to fall on our faces and to ask God 
to move. Ask God to move in your life. Ask God to move in the lives of each one who's a part of, of the churches here in our community that we were just talking about, that we were concerned about, not just here throughout our land. But it's especially, I, I guess I need to be talking about us because we're the only ones here tonight. It is time that we fall on our face and we start asking God to move in our lives. And we start asking God to move here in Cornerstone in our church. And we start asking God to move here in our community. I'm telling you right now, right? We've heard about some good things that's going on, but they still a lot lot of lost people, a lot of sin-ruined people here, right? They still a lot of little kids that need to hear that Jesus loves them and needs to know that there's hope, right? And listen to me, the lost are depending on you. Those little children I've been talking about, they are depending on you and on me, right? Uh, The other members uh, in this church, uh, the ones that are not here tonight, right? They are depending Depending on you and I, right? I'm as as the pastor here. I'm telling you right now. I'm depending on you. It's mandatory. It's mandatory that we seek God to build this work and to make a difference in this kingdom, in this community, for His kingdom. It's mandatory that God do it. So I'm asking you tonight. Many have died spiritually. Churches, individuals, families. Many have died not because of a lack of effort. but because they either were unwilling, refused, didn't know, whatever the case may be. But because of their own efforts, because instead of seeking the will of God and being in agreement together and walking with God, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? They're busy in their own efforts. When that doesn't work, they just move to the next one. Listen, there is people, and I know there's people all throughout the world, there's people right here in our community. Right here in our community. That's depending on us. I'm not talking about us just coming up with a good plan. I'm talking about us seeking the face of God and asking God to move and walking with God, whatever, wherever, however that may be. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come on?
Maybe you just need to come and seek the face of God. Maybe it's been a while. I don't know. Come on now. This ain't a time to lay back. This ain't a time to hold back. Listen, there is people who are lost and dying. There's people without hope. There is people that there is. I mentioned a while ago that how many people there is in our community who, who need to hear, who need to know that the Lord loves them and cares about them, who needs to know that God will forgive them, right? And we need to seek God for a move, right? for a mighty move. So I'm asking you, Spirit of God dealing with you tonight, would you come? Maybe you've got, a, maybe you've got something going on in your own life. Maybe you've got a need. Maybe you've got a burden. And, and you've got to get that taken care of. Then I'm begging you, come on. Don't hold out any longer. Whatever it may be, you just come on.